You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all to the Blog and the Boys Roundtable Podcast. No, I am not RJ Ochoa. And no, you don't need to adjust or refresh your browser. There are no problems on your end. Uh, I am Brandon Laurie of the Writer's Block Podcast, also a writer on Blog and the Boys. And I am filling in for RJ tonight uh, as sort of the host. And if you think that I am not up to snuff for this responsibility, well, let me tell you, I do have a year's worth of experience being a retail manager of Kohl's Department Store in Hillsborough, New Jersey. So I'll set the record straight on that one. So as always, I do have a usual cast of characters here to help me lead the Cowboys discussion. I will start with Mr. Tony Catalina. Tony, you are going with the uh, the brick background again. I like it. You know, solid as a rock, solid as a brick. You are always my person to lean on uh, when it comes to this stuff. Except for now. I don't know if you, I was cutting out. Yeah. So. <laughs> Except for now. Uh, well, I'll, I'll turn strong. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to turn to David Hellman because, uh, you know, you are sometimes uh, the cold, wet blanket uh, when it comes to my Cowboys uh, fandom. Uh, I saw this week uh, you posted on the rumors about Aaron Rodgers going to New York, reminding Cowboys fans that uh, the Cowboys cannot escape Aaron Rodgers if he goes to New York, as we will be facing him in 2023 if that happens. So your background is very fitting to your personality. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh uh, I, I think, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers, um, he's like, he's kind of like Thanos. He's, he's inevitable. And I just, I just want to get rid of him at this point. Love it. Yeah. We'll send, maybe send him somewhere cold this way. He doesn't have to worry. I know it's, you know, maybe just send him somewhere anywhere, but the NFC, uh, Brandon Clements, you are the, uh, doppelganger to me, usually B1, B2. We don't have to worry about that tonight. Uh, but the Royal Rumble, uh, was this past weekend. I know you're a big WWE fan. What did you think about that? It was a heck of a spectacle, and uh, I wasn't surprised. I uh, I predicted both uh, Royal Rumble winners, so it wasn't wasn't surprising. But again, it's it's one of the great shows of the wrestling year. And I was telling Hallman uh, during the week, I said, if that's one show you can watch a year, that's the one you want to watch because it's it's a lot of fun. And, and WWE did not disappoint. Love it. Yeah, usually uh, I'm trying to get back into wrestling, but uh, it's it's a slow burn on that end. Uh, Mr. Dan, Danny Phantom, Dan Rogers, uh, always good to have a elder statesman, somebody who's a little bit maybe wiser uh, than the rest of the group here uh, to kind of help guide things a little bit. Uh, I, since I am not RJ, there are no preconceived notions about anybody on this roundtable tonight as opposed to who's going to be the winner. So maybe it plays in your favor a little bit. Honestly, Brandon, I just kept kept wondering when you're talking about um, Coles. It's like, could you imagine RJ working there? He'd be like, you know, last time we had T-shirts at this price was 1995. You know what else happened in 1995? So, uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to, you know, uh, I'm glad to be here with all you guys. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it should be fun today. 
Love it. Love tying it back into Cowboys. Uh, like I mentioned before, if anybody's joining in right now, we have a couple questions about where is RJ. Uh, I'm filling in for him tonight, so no need to worry. RJ is still around, and actually, um, you know, given the roundtable rules and how sacred this is for blogging the boys, he did send me the red book of all the rules I studied. I learned all the rules that RJ set forth with the roundtable, so it is a different host, but in this case, the rules remain the same. Not the biases, but the rules do. Um, and we will start with talking about the coaching changes that have happened over the past week. Some coaches have been let go. Some coaches have been uh, unrenewed of their contracts. But I think the big one, too, is the reaction to Kellen Moore being let go. And there was a, an emergency podcast that Danny was on along with Tom Ryle, just Navarez and RJ uh, that you guys could go check out with all their reactions. But, Tony, I'll start with you. When it comes to Kellen Moore, the news that he was let go, um, now moving on to Los Angeles, what was your initial reaction to that? Um, I was I was frustrated a little bit because, I mean, I, I look at the numbers, I dive into it, and I, I don't like the emotion of how the season ended kind of sway me, right? I understand that um, the Cowboys are in search for something, right? They're, they're a little stagnant, and everyone's little run stale with what Kellen Moore has brought to the table, but unless you can prove to me that like this is going to be substantially better and like you know we've seen the numbers right? you know what i mean like i know it's not always about numbers but like when you're ignoring the things that are factually in your face to prove or push a narrative about kellen moore it, it was frustrating to say the least now i'm not saying he's perfect i'm not saying that the cowboys you know weren't without flaw while he was running the show but now you know there's some there's some shoes to fill here i think if it's mike mccarthy or whatever they do it, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge and i hope i'm wrong i hope that they come out and their offense is more explosive more dynamic and they find ways to be better but I would say right now that's something they need to prove and show us moving forward. Howman, for you, uh, you're sort of the expert when it comes to the Mike McCarthy play calling, you know, him taking over. Uh, what is your reaction to Mike McCarthy kind of taking control of that if that does happen? Now, I know there were reports that the Dallas Morning News said that that could happen, but it's nothing that's been confirmed in absolute as of right now. So what is your reaction to Mike McCarthy, the play caller, and something that we haven't seen yet? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it might be the only way in which the Cowboys actually get a, an upgrade over more in terms of a play caller because, I mean, I definitely thought Kellen Moore was a good offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he was not perfect. He had moments where maybe there was a better play he could have called in certain situations or maybe he got a, got away from what was working. But generally, that's something you can say for almost every play caller throughout the NFL. Um, and I think he's someone who has a very sharp mind, very good scheme, and, you know, the, the thing is with McCarthy, he comes in with that experience and he's been calling plays for a very long time. Granted, he hasn't done it for a while now, but when he did, he did it at a very high level in Green Bay. Um, so maybe he can make up for that kind of lack in experience and knowing, you know, when you get stuck in these kind of situations, here's what you do. Um, but at the same time, it's a huge gamble because you're, you're moving on from a coordinator that had a success and you're coming off consecutive seasons with 12 wins. You just won a playoff game. And also, both of those seasons in the playoffs, they ended against a 49ers defense that was really good both years. I mean, their defensive coordinator just got a head coaching job uh, with, with the Houston Texans. So, like, that's how good he was that at such a young age he gets to lead an NFL team. I don't think it's necessarily that the offense was suddenly bad. They just ran into a better team. Brandon, Kevin brings up a great point here where he says that Mike – 
Mike McCarthy kind of calling the plays might just mean that this is his last chance and he wants to go out his way if that does happen. Do you think that this is really sort of Mike McCarthy's swan song that, you know, it seems like that there were rumblings before this season that, you know, maybe he's going to be replaced, you know, with people in house. He proved to, again, get another 12 win season. Everything's safe. But as of right now, with the things not leading to the NFC championship, not leading to the Super Bowl, especially when your other team in your division is heading to the Super Bowl. Do you think that this is sort of Mike McCarthy's way of saying, I'm just going to put everything I have into the season and call plays and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I think it's very valid. I think at this point he's got to put all the chips on the table because, you know, I, I believe that the Cowboys are really very cl- a very close, you know, Super Bowl contender as we saw this year and in the last two years, you know, the 12 and 5 record. So, you know, he, he's definitely he's definitely got to look over his shoulder because don't be surprised if Dan Quinn is the guy that replaces him in 2024 if the chips fall where they may. That's just kind of where, you know, that's where things could go. But I could see I could see Brian Schottenheimer. I, you know, I've been hearing rumblings about him as well. Maybe they help. You know, he can. Schottenheimer is a good designer of plays. But if you have, you know, if you team him up as the designer of plays with Mike McCarthy, you know, calling him. And Mike McCarthy has proven in the past that he can do a really good job at that. I mean, that's he's done. He's got a pedigree of doing that. He also had Aaron Rodgers, but. Overall, I think I think this is for him. This is he, he's you know he's he's going to go out guns blazing. You know if he feels that he's you know he's kind of on that hot seat, which it seems like you know, that way. You got to go all you got to go all in and, and and do what you need to do to to. It's like it's like survive or uh, you're gone. That's just kind of where it goes. Danny, what about you? Do you think that the Cowboys are going to be hiring somebody? from in-house and just kind of put somebody as like a assistant, you know, to some, if to Mike McCarthy, if he does call the play, or do you think that they will go outside the building to bring somebody in to maybe help him along? No, that's a good question. I, I don't really know. Um, part of this, because I'm not sure how much the Cowboys really wanted to move on from Kellamore or if it became a situation where they just had to make a, had to make a choice. And, uh, you know, we heard, and I, I alluded to this on the emergency round table we had, um, Sunday, but um, and then more information has come out too that there was some some strife between McCarthy and and Kellen and too, and so I don't know if the, if the plan is to just let McCarthy do things his way, and uh, if that happens, I don't expect to see anybody of of any stature come in and call plays. That's that's where I would probably see if we have a Scott Tolzien or something. I'm thinking this is just McCarthy calling plays, um, or will they go a different direction? I don't I don't know. I think it's, you know, I agree with what everybody said. This is a situation where we're just going to kind of hold our breath and hope for the best. I'm certainly not happy by this decision. I, you guys know how I feel about Kellen Moore. And, um, but, well, you know, we'll see. I think we got to start try, trying to um, transition our minds into just trying to see what the Cowboys are thinking here and, and how this could work in a positive manner and focus on on those kind of things. And that's, that's what we got to do. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you for the super chat for Vance. Um, Tony, he says, can't help but think if we ask our fellow fellow Packers fans about this new development, what would they say? So if you kind of put your Packers fan cap on, we know that the end of the McCarthy era with Aaron Rodgers didn't really go so well. He went on this sabbatical of, you know, learning new offenses, innovating himself as a coach. Um, And we haven't seen that yet. So do you think that he's going to be a new play caller in this situation? Do you think he's going to kind of transition to his old ways and just go with what's been comfortable and what he's used to as a play caller? 
you know, what I'm a little nervous was I like Mike McCarthy's old philosophy. I mean, he was a pass first co- uh, coach that, you know, set up the run with the pass a little bit. And he's had those West Coast principles. But what I'm nervous about is getting into Dallas and having a Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones kind of we run the ball and, you know, kind of changing the way that he runs things because of front office decisions or politics, whatever the case may be. I don't know if that'll be seriously a consideration or something that's really going to happen, but that's what's in the back of my mind, because I think Mike McCarthy is a good offensive coach. I think Mike McCarthy is capable of calling a good game and and he's had a track record. And if you ask Packers fans to answer Vance's question, I'm sure they, they're pro Aaron Rodgers and all the issues with Mike McCarthy's fault and you know couldn't have possibly been Rodgers but um, I think that the truth lies in the middle of there and I think Mike McCarthy has earned the respect and the opportunity to lead his own unit which a lot of people thought he was going to do when he first got here but um, I just I'm sitting here saying I can't argue with the numbers I know they were stagnant and stuff so I still have a a really high respect level for what Kellen Moore did here and I just hope it uh, continues and I'm wrong. Howman, Danny alluded to sort of this conversation that kind of came out within the past few days about uh, Albert Breer was on the Dan Patrick show saying that he he was hearing rumblings of Kellen Moore and McCarthy not getting along uh, towards the end of the season and that this was just a mutual parting of ways because Mike McCarthy does kind of want to take over. in this scenario, like, did it? Do you think that this played a factor into the Cowboys' offense kind of sputtering a little bit down the stretch, or you know, what was the reason? Maybe it hurt Dak Prescott, where maybe they were having conflicting ideas on how to run this offense, and maybe this is just for the better, with not only for McCarthy but also Dak's development moving forward too. I mean, I, I think it's possible, but I think you know when, when you talk about some of the offense's shortcomings this year. For me, I still come back to the fact that there just wasn't as much talent as there was last year. I mean, you trade away Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, you know, wasn't even ready for the start of the season. And even though he was playing, he didn't look like himself for almost the entire season. The offensive line was constantly shuffling. I think they had like eight different combinations of of guys playing along that line throughout the year. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz was in and out. Dak Prescott was in and out of the lineup. So I think that's probably where it mostly comes down to. But at the same time, when you're someone in Mike McCarthy, who his whole career coaching career was based on how good he was as a play caller, you know, he, he went to the 49ers as their offensive coordinator. And only just one year later, he got the Packers head coaching job. He did a great job as a play caller there uh, transitioning from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers almost seamlessly. He won a Super Bowl. You know, he had a ton of success there. So then when you're in a new job and you're kind of, you know, you've just had a year off and you're looking to kind of prove yourself in that situation and prove that you weren't just carried by Aaron Rodgers and you can be a real successful coach without him. And then you're watching somebody else do something, calling the offense. And when things don't go kind of right, it's it's almost like this feeling of, well, I can do better. I know what to do. So, you know, when, when the losses pile up and, you know, you lose to the 49ers consecutive years in the playoffs, I think that can just kind of boil over. And he probably got to this point, McCarthy did, of saying, you know, I, I like Kellen Moore. He does things right. But at the same time, I know that I can make up for some of his deficiencies. Let's just do it my way. And one of the people that were like rumblings of possibly replacing Mike McCarthy is no longer available. And that is the news coming out that Sean Payton is going to the Denver Broncos. Reportedly, it is for a first round pick and in 2023's draft and then a 2024 second round pick. And then the uh, New Orleans Saints get or I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos get a uh, third round pick next year in return. So, Brandon, I'll, I'll ask everybody uh, to start, but would 
Brandon, would you have made this trade for somebody like Sean Payton? Do you think that uh, this is a lot of capital to give up for a head coach, or does it make the difference that in the case for the Cowboys, maybe Sean Payton would be that next piece, maybe an end-of-the-round, first-round pick um, that would make that much of an impact for a possible Super Bowl trip? I personally, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Peyton. I know I've, I've jokingly mentioned it, you know, you know, probably the first third of the season that I'd like to have Sean Payton as a head coach. But I think I think a first round pick and also a second round pick for a coach, I just think is I just don't think it's smart. I think, you know, the reports that are coming out were that the Broncos really wanted D'Amico Ryans. They were sniffing around Coach Harbaugh from U, U, U of M, U of Michigan. And and neither of those neither of those were you know they fell through and this just this seemed like a desperation play this the Saints had a number in mind of what they wanted and you know the Broncos caved in they were that was their third option so when you're giving up a first and a second round pick for your you know reportedly your third option it's just not you know it's it's you know it, it sounds to me like desperation and if I'm you know and I'm I'm glad the Cowboys didn't do it. I think with the Cowboys having a 12 and five record and back-to-back seasons, you know, the Cowboys are just a few players away, in my opinion, from, from really taking it to the next level. And I don't want to lose a first and a second round pick because with, you know, folks like Will McClay in the building, we've been hitting on first and second round picks. And if they, you know, if they draft the positions of need, you know, like I expect them to do, I think, you know, that take us further than giving up our future uh, for a coach. I think Mike McCarthy's done well enough where, you know, I don't, I don't think we need to uh, kick him out the door right now for first and second round pick from from uh, to you know from another coach. That's a great point. The Cowboys have had a lot of success, and they sort of make their money when it comes to draft time. And again, Kevin has a great point. Danny, I'll throw it to you. You know, he's saying that the Cowboys already have somebody like a Sean Payton in the building with a Mike McCarthy, having similar careers. So there's no sense in giving up all that capital for somebody you already have in, in the building. Do you agree with that? That the Cowboys already have sort of like a Sean Payton in a Mike McCarthy? No, I don't agree with that. I think that they're a little different. I mean, I, I will I would not make the trade to to answer that question too for the reasons that that Brandon said too. And I'm a big, you know, I, I love draft capital and uh, and the Cowboys do do a great job with with how with their draft picks. So, uh no, that's that's too steep and uh you know, you never know with what you're going to get with another coach. And also too, not, and I don't want to put it too much pressure on, on on McCarthy or too much blame or credit. Is you're you're only as good as your staff too, and so it's not just like, you know, Sean Payton would come in there and have all the answers there for him. He's he needs to have assistant coaches that do well. You know, he needs to have a quarterback that plays well. He needs to have have, have talent around him, just like McCarthy needs. Um, so to me, no, it's or it's so, it's almost like the sense of like Kellen Moore. It's like you're gonna get rid of that and hope for you can get the small amount of people that maybe could be better. Uh, and that's where I would just and if you're talking draft picks, absolutely not. I mean, the, the other thing about this too is that if McCarthy does not do well, you know, we I think we have another person that's going to be would make a great head coach that just could just slide right in there, you know, with Dan Quinn, which is what I see happening. I think this is I almost feel like they're scripting it. This is what's going on. It's going to be Dan Quinn. Let's just let McCarthy do what he wants this next year and see what happens. I mean, it, it's you're almost like you're free rolling. If it doesn't work out, you got Quinn. If it does great, then, you know, uh, keep McCarthy around. But no, I, I, I would not trade draft picks for, for Sean Payton. And honestly, I'm glad this is over. So we don't have to you know deal with this, uh, you know, talk anymore. 
Tony, you're nodding your head along. What are your thoughts on this? Would you have made the similar move or you think just, you know, keep everything the way it is? And if Mike McCarthy is out in 2024, there's going to be somebody else available. Now, I think this is um, I'm grateful for the fact that it's over. The saga is done because I just for me, it was it was Mike McCarthy and the shot. I couldn't believe it, honestly. I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't be you know, um, surprised by Cowboys nation and the conversations that take place on the national stage with this team, but a coach to go 12 and five back-to-back years be, you know, playoffs both times, one time a division winner. And we're sitting here is, is Sean Payton going to take his job? And it's just like, to me, it was just, it was just too much. I just, I'm glad that that's over with. We don't got to deal with that, but the draft compensation to me is crazy. I mean, now you now you're gonna turn around and say, go ahead and make it work in the draft. Go ahead and find you know talent and do that. But it's like, all right, well, we're already giving up draft capital to get you here, so you're the first round pick. So it's, I it just I, for me, it's it's a, it's an unprecedented thing. It doesn't happen too often. And I think there's a reason for that, and I'm just a, glad the Cowboys weren't the ones that made that choice. How many? Uh, Omar brings up a good point with that. Right now, there's a lot of shuffling, other positions to worry about. Um, on the offensive side of the ball. And while the Cowboys don't really have an offensive coordinator, all the Sean Payton talk, they still have things to resolve in-house with filling out a running back coach position, an offensive line coach position. Um, Now that Kellen Moore is sort of out of the building, regardless of if they fill the offensive coordinator first and then the cast of characters on the offense second, do you think that, in your opinion, like what what will be first? Do you think it's going to be the offensive line coach, running back coach, and then offensive coordinator? Or do you think Mike McCarthy will kind of promote within or anything else that offensive coordinator and then figure out everything else afterwards? Well, I would probably imagine that um, they'll they'll kind of figure out the offensive coordinator role first, especially just because the Cowboys um, have already started the interview process for that, interviewing um, Panthers running backs coach Jeff Nixon earlier today. Um, so just just based off the moves that they've made so far, it looks like that's probably the direction that they're going to go. Um, but I mean, I, I think especially with those two positions, you know, the offensive line is kind of in a weird situation because they they had some good this past season, but they also were not necessarily as good as they could have been. And they've got some things up in the air with Connor McGovern's pending free agency, Terrence Steele. Uh, also technically will be a pending free agent, although he's a restricted free agent and he's also coming back from that injury. Uh, and then with the running back room, what are they going to do with Zeke? Are they going to get a pay cut with him? Are they going to cut him out? Right. Tony Pollard, also his rookie deals coming up. Um, so I'm very curious to see what direction they go with those, those two assistant coach roles. Uh, and I think that it's very possible that it could actually tell us more about the future of this offense than the offensive coordinator position. If, if indeed it's true that McCarthy is going to call the plays again. So tying in kind of putting a bow on the coaching decisions as of right now, we don't know the rest of the staff where it stands. Um, I'll ask the panel here of where you kind of compare the coordinators for 2022 to what's going to be in 2023. And again, with the assumption that Mike McCarthy is going to be calling plays. So Danny, I'll start with you, which is your better combination? Quinn and McCarthy or Quinn and Kellen Moore? Oh, Quinn and Quinn and Kellen Moore. And I, you know, I just real quickly, I won't spend a lot of time on this too, is, is I, I agree that Mike McCarthy was a good offensive coordinator, but I really think, you know, and I went back and I looked at this, it was like, why was the, why were they so terrible? You know, in McCarthy's last years. And, and honestly, I just saw a lot of the same things. And this is, I saw an offensive line that got away with holding a lot. I saw Aaron Rodgers having a lot of time and I saw Aaron Rodgers being really good. I mean, he was throwing precision, you know, throws to, and he had Devontae Adams back then too. 
that didn't hurt. But honestly, there's just and then sometimes they were they were playing from behind a lot too. To so it was just everything about that's like I just I don't want any of that in Dallas because I don't think the Cowboys can duplicate that kind of thing. And so that's what makes me makes me where I bet you if you were Paul Packer fans, their they, their answer would be like good riddance that he was gone in. And we saw that Green Bay had success, you know, immediately right after he's gone too. So to me, I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a wild card, you know, that I don't know what it's going to be like, but I just don't think the odds are in our favor that it's going to be better. Clements, uh B1, what about you? Quentin McCarthy, the potential of what we will see from McCarthy if this happens, or would you have preferred to just keep it as Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn? You might be muted or you might be lagging way behind, potentially. Uh, Howman, I'll throw oh, it to I'm you first. Uh, I agree with Dan this. I think you got to keep it uh, Quinn and Moore. I think that's just the way to go. And and I think McCarthy should just focus on managing his players, managing the game. Well, uh, it looks like that uh, Brandon, he mentioned that he hardwired before, uh, and maybe he's going off of what, what Tony had originally. Tony, maybe you gave him the bad juju. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you, uh, Tony. Which combination are you going with? Yeah, there's an internet bug going around apparently, but um, for the originally, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Kellen Moore. I think I've I've been safe on that, but I'm gonna give the grace Mike McCarthy to get a chance, right? I mean, this was a few years ago that he was calling plays. It's you know he he may be innovative, he may have you know go back to his principles, whatever worked. So it's it's too early to say, right? We could be having this conversation a year from now in a totally different tune, and and Mike McCarthy could either you know had a great offensive year or he could be out. Right. I think it's that it's that spectrum of possibilities with Mike McCarthy. So um, right now, I'll lean Kellen Moore. But, um, you know, me and Danny are pretty much in lockstep with this right now. Brandon, I think we have you back. Uh, it seems like what we were saying, the bug of, of this lag and, and live stream thing is, is going around and, and hit your computer. Uh, I'll let you finish up with what you're talking about with this. Yeah. So I uh, thank you. I don't know. The Internet gremlins always get me. Apparently, I thought I got the new internet set up of course so you know we'll, we'll have to I'll have to call my provider and get that figured out but yeah what I was saying before is is I agree with Danny I I think you know Quinn and Moore is just the way to go and, and I just want McCarthy to just focus on the game management side of things and coach up their areas and, and that's that's the way it should be love it summarizing uh he Quinnen Kellamore is the, the favorite. Uh, Howman, I'm going to put you on the spot to put your stamp on this now, just like you did with Leighton Vanderesh. I want you to say right now, definitively, is Mike McCarthy going to be a great play caller in 2023? Yes or no? Absolutely, yes. I have no question about that because we've seen him in the past, and he's been a great play caller all throughout his his time in Green Bay. And to Danny's point, where he's talking about, you know, the the Packers' offense wasn't that good you know, the, towards the end of the, his time there. Remember, his last season, he didn't coach the entire season. He was fired halfway through the year. The year before that, 2017, Aaron Rodgers was out half the year. The year before that, they were top five in almost every category across the board. And then the year before that, he gave up play calling duties and it didn't turn out so well for Green Bay and he took it back. So, you know, if we're, if we're looking at those last few years with Green Bay, of course, Packers fans are going to say that they're happy that they got rid of him. But Cowboys fans are happy they got rid of Kellen Moore. And it doesn't seem like any of us think that that's the appropriate response either. So um, I, I just think McCarthy has a very long resume. He has a whole lot of, of proof that he's a good play caller. 
that he can elevate players. And everyone talks about how great Aaron Rodgers is, but his only head coach for a very long time in his career was Mike McCarthy. And Mike McCarthy was there to develop him, to bring him up through the league. And he turned him into a great player. Not saying that Rodgers doesn't deserve any credit for it, but McCarthy doesn't get nearly enough credit for what he did there. Um, so I, you know, I, I've been a big supporter of Kellen Moore. Uh, a couple of days before they decided to move on from him, I wrote an article on bloggingtheboys.com where I said that it would be a mistake to move on from him. That said, I do believe in McCarthy. I believe in the fact that throughout his career, he has been a pass-happy play caller. He's, you know, his time in Green Bay, he led the league in early down pass rate. He made things easier for his quarterback. And I think that if we get through a year of him calling plays and the Cowboys are still you know, slamming their running backs heads into a brick wall on first down and setting themselves up into really hard to convert third and longs, then that'll be an even bigger problem because it'll turn out that maybe it's not Kellen Moore, maybe it's not Mike McCarthy, maybe it's not Scott Linehan. Maybe the call is coming from inside the house. And that would be much worse than any other scenario that we could think of. Love the shameless plug for the article. Uh, and again, if anybody is joining just newly to the roundtable, all these guys here, including myself, we throw up content on bloggingtheboys.com daily. And with writers, we also like to hand out awards. We also like to put our stamp, our opinion out there in the universe on what was a successful season. And now we're going to be doing a sort of BTB honors segment to kind of wrap up the 2022 season, hand out some hardware to the Dallas Cowboys of what was the 2022 season. Um, so we're going to go around with a few categories. This is really where the points matter. This is what RJ said. The second segment is always the most important. Um, so I'm going to put the spot First, the spotlight on Danny. Danny, I want you to tell me who has the brightest future that you saw from this season, giving out the brightest future award, in your opinion. So for me, I'm going to go with one of my favorites. And, you know, I've talked about him quite a bit this year and even last year. Um, my brightest future is going to actually go with our right tackle, Terrence Still. Uh, I thought that what he... What he did this year was, I mean, nothing short of fantastic. I, I thought you saw some real growth from year two to year three. Uh, that guy is super quick off the snap. Uh, he's nimble. He's strong. Uh, his consistency this season has been top notch. Uh, he's constantly getting in good position. I mean, there's there's no leaning anymore with this guy. He's, he's, he's corrected some of the things that he struggled with before. Um, he's one of the top run blockers. In the league, and, and obviously, you know, the biggest thing is you could see the impact that, you know, when he was not with the team. So my brightest future is going to be our our next all-pro tackle, eventual all-pro tackle, uh, Terrence Steele. That's a big claim. I like it. And it, you said it, you know, exactly how I feel is that the, the running game did lack once he left the lineup. And um, I know he's a restricted free agent, so the Cowboys have his rights, can retain it. I know that they were rumblings of trying to re-sign him um, sort of during the bye week, you know, beforehand. Hopefully they can get that done sooner rather than later. Tony, what about you? Who do you have as your brightest future award? Yeah, I mean, it, actually, the fact that I actually had to think about this a little bit is encouraging for the future because there's a couple of ways I could have went. But I'm going to go on the other side and I'm going to say Tyler Smith. I mean, I was one of his I wouldn't say detractors, but definitely somebody that I was like, oh, man, this guy doesn't give me the most confidence in him. Right. Especially coming out the gate week one, starting left tackle when he practiced all pretty much training camp at left guard. So um, 
he he proved a lot of people wrong. Now, obviously, he, he got his lumps and his growing pains this year, but I think the fact that we're sitting here and it tells you a lot of how Tyron Smith handled the situations. Like, I'll go to right tackle. Let's keep him here. Let's keep that continuity going. Um, I think the sky is the limit now for Tyler Smith. Everything you hear about in the locker room is that this kid is, you know, he puts his head down. He works hard. He, he understands it mentally. He's a physical specimen, obviously. Um, so Tyler Smith is one of those guys that the Cowboys can kind of plug and play, move him forward. Forward, and um, you feel really good about the Cowboys because they stood on their convictions. A lot of people, including myself, were like, man, I don't like this pick. I'm not really in on this pick. And uh, they were just like, shut up and let us cook. Uh, thank you to Watsamata for the super chat. Uh, Tony, I'll throw it to you because sort of like Kellen Moore being involved with the offense. I know um, offensive line coach, those need to be matched. Those need to be paired. Do you think that if Mike McCarthy's designing a better offense, you will see a jump in play from somebody like a Tyler Smith, a Terrence Steele next season? I think uh, all things are on the table, right? I think that we're going to see something that, you know, this Kellamore offense, like I said, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. I think that it's, it's, it's showed real, you know, production in, in his four years calling the show, but it's going to be a refreshing look, whether that's a positive refresh or, or a negative refresh we'll see what that happens. I have confidence in the fact that Mike McCarthy is going to give us things we just haven't seen. And I think um, that's encouraging those West coast principles, some of those different, you know, past schemes and stuff of that nature. I'm, I'm really excited to see it, but also, um, yeah, I think that we're going to see offense and different guys being used in, in a multitude of ways. Uh, shout out to Skyler for the for the beard gang. Everybody gets a point. Uh, I do get points for that. I, I see Danny has a little bit of a mustache, so we'll, we'll throw that in there as well, too. Uh, Halman, who's your brightest future award? Who do you got? My brightest future was actually pretty, pretty easy for me. It was uh, Sam Williams. And, you know, he's he's a guy that consistently every single week was flashing in one way or another. Um, he finished with 22 pressures on the season, which was six on the team and he hardly ever hardly ever played and I mean I understand why he wasn't playing that much all these other edge rushers were absolutely dominating um but he he came in and it wasn't just as a pass rusher too he was making plays in the backfield as a run stopper he just has that explosiveness he gets upfield he disrupts and you know every time that I watched him and really just like focused on what Sam Williams was doing when he was on the field I just kept thinking once this guy is playing significant snaps going forward, he's going to be a real problem. And when you factor in that you've got Micah Parsons, you know, he, he's only entering his third year. You're going to have Sam Williams coming in. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is still there as well. Dorrance Armstrong just signed. You know, this is this is a pretty stacked edge rushing group, and I was really impressed with what I saw out of Sam Williams. I think it's a great point because I think it also ties in with someone like bringing back a Dan Quinn and how important he is to developing these young guys. And, you know, this is somebody that he drafted, that he went down to Ole Miss to work out like this was his guy. And if he left, maybe that development doesn't take place in year two, maybe under a new system. So if you can see the tea leaves of what he can do with Micah Parsons from year one to year two, I think you can exactly see the same thing for Sam Williams uh, the next season. Uh, Brandon, we, we share the namesake here. Maybe you got my guy. Uh, mine hasn't been mentioned yet, so maybe you'll uh, you'll take it um, from me. But who do you have as your brightest future? Well, since I uh, had to drop out for a second there with the internet, now, did anyone pick Deron Bland? I just wanted to double check. No, you're good on that one. All right, cool. Because Deron Bland's my guy. I mean, he he played 17 games this year. He started eight, seven pass defended, uh, 54 combined tackles, five interceptions. By the way, which. Uh, is uh, he's actually they ranked uh, inside the top five in the league and actually one away from being tied for first in the league. And that's that's pretty darn good. 
And then, you know, he can, he's proven to play inside and outside. He, he's a very physical corner. I love I love when he, he comes in and he, he can stop the run too. I love when, I love when there's short passes or, or runs to the outside. He's not afraid to stick his neck out there and just make some great plays. And he, to me, I think the Cowboys, you know, they, they, they hit a home run with a fifth round pick out of Fresno state. This kid to me, you could put him on the other side, of, on the opposite side of Diggs, and I think I think that's going to be a very uh, dynamic duo going forward. And I'm just I'm excited to see uh, I'm excited to see how he's going to how he's going to develop going forward. But he's his future to me. The sky's the limit. I think having Diggs and, and, and Bland together is going to be really nice. And if you know, depending on how uh, the Cowboys draft, I think you know getting an extra corner or two in the draft would be uh, helpful. But those two, I think that's going to be good. And, and Bland is just uh, the kid's a stud. I I think he could be eventually be the number one number one corner on this team. And I love Diggs. I just love Bland. I think Bland just does everything that you want. He's going to make some mistakes here and there because he's still a little young. But I, I love his aggressiveness. I just think he's the total package. And you know, I I think this, the sky's the limit for this kid. I think you bring up a great point on how that it also opens up the possibility for the Cowboys not to draft a cornerback right away at pick one if they really don't want to. They do have Jordan Lewis still on the roster. They could possibly re-sign an Anthony Brown, but you know, Bland showed this flexibility of inside and outside, so I think that that bodes well for his development. Uh, we're going to go to the next award. I liked all the answers. Maybe some were a little bit better than others. Uh, yeah, Danny. No, I just want to wrap before you wrap a bow on this. I just wanted to say that if you listen to all these answers here, which by the way were all fantastic answers, um, I think that kind of speaks to just why we wouldn't want to do the Sean Payton thing. Because look at what you'd be giving up. Because that I mean, these are some great. All of these players mentioned could be all you know, all uh, Pro Bowlers, you know, coming up, and there's they're some they have great seasons and, and flash some great potential. So I just wanted to make that point before moving on. That's a great point. He just got some points. Uh, Howman, what do you got? Yeah, I just wanted to to add to what Brandon was saying about how great Deron Bland is. You know, he mentioned he came out of Fresno State. He also transferred to Fresno State from Sacramento State. He was playing in the FCS, you know, a year and a half ago, and he was playing so great at that level. Then he went to not even a Power Five conference school and played great. And now he comes to the NFL level and right away just plays up to that level. So it's it's really really impressive when you think about what his path was coming here. Tony, we'll go with the next one. Biggest surprise. Who do you have as the biggest surprise on the roster for 2022? Uh, you know, it's tough. I would, I want to, I don't want to double up answers, so I won't do it. But I think Tyler Smith to me was one of my biggest surprises, but I'm, but I'm going to say Deron Bland, to be honest with you. I think he, he was the biggest being a fifth round guy played in the NFL PA collegiate bowl. And, you know, we're in the draft coverage now. And when you tear it up, you say, okay, senior bowl bowl is the higher prospects. Then it goes to East West Shrine game. And then you're in the collegiate bowl. And so for him to be in that, in that game. And like, like Howman said, you know, to play FCS level, then to move up and not even be in a power five and then step in and just like, you know, okay, we're going to put you on the outside. Now we're going to move you inside. And and now you're going to be in the playoffs and you're going to be, you know, going up against Aaron Rodgers. And, and for him to like answer the bell, like didn't look like he was ever like scared of the moment. It was, you know, took it aggressively. And I just, for me, a surprise is, uh, it's not the right word. I'm, I'm more so like pleasantly surprised because he just stepped up, he made plays and he's just somebody that, you know, you, you hit on a fifth round pick. This guy is going to be here for a while. They're going to, you know, he's got to be inserted. Um, I don't know if he's going to Wally Pip Jordan Lewis inside or, or if, if they're, you know, if they're going to move him outside permanently, but either way, he's going to be a fixture in this defense for quite some time. 
Uh, like my co-host, Jess Navarro, always says, bland is anything but. I don't know if she trademarked that as putting on T-shirts, uh, making millions of dollars. And I don't know about it. She's not going to share the funds with me, but that's OK. We'll talk about that uh, uh, off air. Uh, Halman, for you, who's your biggest surprise? Three words. Leighton Van Der Esch. Love it. <laughs> what a pivot. I, I couldn't I couldn't go anywhere else for this uh, for this honor. And, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch really uh, I mean, he, he proved me wrong. I uh, infamously picked him as a surprise roster cut back in the offseason. And, you know, he, he had kind of had some struggles a little bit, not really reaching the high level that his rookie year was. But this year, I mean, he man, he really even the people who believed in him and, and thought that like he could still be that guy. I don't think that they thought he was going to have this kind of year. He came in and was just such a, a fortifying presence for that defense. And we even saw towards the end of the year when he missed those last few games. I mean, the run defense especially just looked completely different. And it was just a different unit without him. And then you know, he comes back for that playoff game. And remember, like how great they were playing against Tom Brady. They made him look just you know, horrible. And a, a lot of that was Vanderesh. I mean, even in coverage, he was going out there and he was contesting passes, you know, at the catch point. And, you know, then the next week, people forget the 49ers, their offense was not really playing that well. You know, most of it was their defense stepped up. And, you know, Leighton Vanderesh was really a, a huge part of that defense and, and being able to make them play at such an elite level. So I got to give him his flowers. Watsamata brings up a, another award that we'll hand out because I know we've touched on big surprises, sort of rookie of the year, brightest future type thing. Danny, I'll throw this one to you. Uh, we've talked about this as maybe there are some players um, that sort of were like the biggest disappointment. Um, so who do you have as sort of somebody that just didn't meet your expectations of what you thought could be for 2022? So you're, you're asking me my disappointment? Yes. Okay, well, you know what? I was kind of hoping not to really. I was hoping somebody else would say this, so I wouldn't have to. But uh, honestly, if we're judging by where my expectations were, I, I'm honestly going to say I, I'm making uh, Dak Prescott my disappointment pick. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, the, in, in my opinion, I, I I really think we had a real chance, and I I think the table was set. If you look at all the things that we had going for us, I think the opportunity was there. Uh, we had one of the best D's that we've had in a long time. Uh, you know, we had Cooper Rush come in for those five games, you know, and, and uh, I mean, you don't get opportunities where your, your backup can can preserve your season. And, you know, we played some tough teams too. If you remember, we, we played one of them's in the Super Bowl, the other was in the conference. I mean, another one's in the playoffs. So it's, it's not like we just, um, you know, just skated by. Just, I, I, honestly, I just thought that, you know, it was a great opportunity. Uh, when Dak was on, he was, I thought the team was unbeatable. Uh, to and to see them falter down the stretch, it was just a really tough pill to swallow. Uh, do I think he's a great quarterback? Absolutely, I do. Uh, but he wasn't great down the stretch. Um, and at times he was really bad, and and those things will just take the wheels right out from underneath you. So, and you know that's what happened. So uh, to me, as much as you know, I hate to say it, I love Dak, and I don't want to feel any of the Dak hate or like we should move on from Dak because all that is it's it's stupid. But. I'm disappointed. I mean, he he's a better player than than what he delivered, and I think that hurt us. and And I think it leaves us kind of like wondering how we what we need to do. And it just, you know, it doesn't need to be that way because just Dak needs to just be better. I think it's also a good point too with uh, the health 
of Dak. Like we have this expectation that he's trying to be uh, an Iron Man, that he has shown health to be a quality starter throughout 16, 17 games. And unfortunately, it hasn't been the case. So that is also another thing could be a disappointment that he was exiting uh, early in the season. Kevin brings up a name and James Washington, unfortunately, didn't really meet expectations on that. Uh yeah, Danny, you're getting five points. So that's good. So people do agree that Dak wasn't, unfortunately, and, you know, unfortunately, now you just lost the five points. Um, so I, I do understand your point and where you're coming from that. Uh, Brandon, I, I will throw it to you. Who do you have as your uh, sort of bigger disappointment? It's not really a who, it's kind of a what. And that's the that's the receiving group aside from C.D. Lamb. It was, just, you know, this this year it was, you know, we were wondering, okay, is C.D. Lamb going to be, a, is he a true number one receiver? Is he going to be able to, you know, take over that spot because Mark Cooper, the whole that whole situation. We had to we had to hear about that so much after the trade happened. And guess what? He did. CeeDee Lamb lived up to his end of the bargain, and he just absolutely had a dominant year. He just he he's just on a different level. But the issue was when you have Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown as your as your two next options. I'm a little I'm a little nervous. And and just to, for perspective, CeeDee Lamb had 156 targets this year. The next receiver, I mean, well, I'll skip Schultz because Schultz had 80, 89 targets. But the next highest targets was tied for Gallup, which was he was out for a, you know the first part of the year. And then you have Noah Brown. That's kind of scary. That's that 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 reared its ugly head, especially against the Niners. I know the Niners have a great uh, you know have a great team and they had a great defense led by D'Amico Ryan, who obviously is going to be uh, you know he's he's going to be a great head coach in this league. I feel like. But that, that to me, that, that's what, that's the Achilles heel for this team this year. I think, you know, you know, that's, that's going to be something they have to target, you know, in the draft, I would say, you know, if they could go first, second round, I would ideally love to see a receiver, you know, go early. I've seen guys like Zay Flowers. I think that's a guy that I'd like to see out of, out of Boston college. I watched him a little bit, you know, being a, being a Syracuse fan, I, I follow him. I followed a lot of those teams. So it's, it's, it's going to be, they need to, if they can get the receiving group, back on track and have some more weapons that can kind of scare defenses that's going to open things up for you know for the the rest of the offense and i know and i agree with with danny as well i think you know you can you know a lot of blame could go to dak because you know this team was this team was built to do you know what they were supposed to do and they won 12 12 games this year but unfortunately it, that whole situation where we didn't have less we had, we had less than stellar receivers aside from from cd lamb it reared its ugly head, and unfortunately, I, I don't like to say this because I, you know, I'm a huge Dak fan. I've, I, I support the guy, but he, to me, he just at this point, I, I don't. I, I'm just kind of concerned that you know he he can't win it, you know, essentially with the lack of options. I feel like they need to build it around him and have better playmaking options. That's kind of where I am with Dak. I still think Dak can you know do some big things, but I think with the lack of, of pass catching options. That that just that hurt Dak, and I, I felt like he. I don't think he could have carried the team on his back as as much as we have hoped. Trey brings up a great point. I think uh, we can all say that the biggest disappointment was three weeks of constant OBJ talk. Uh, who knows? Maybe that'll uh, you know come back up in free agency, and we'll have to live that all over again. Um, we'll move on to the next award because we're getting close on time here. I want to go with comeback player of the year, and I think this is important when we're talking about where expectations were. You know, we were a little bit on the downside, but you know, somebody who just totally came out of nowhere, just had maybe a down year in 2021, came back and was excellent. Howman, who do you have as your sort of comeback player of the year? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's, if it necessarily fits as far as like had a down year last year, but maybe didn't get kind of the, the recognition that he deserves. And that's uh center Tyler Biotish. I thought that he 
came in and just absolutely played out of his mind all season from start to finish. Um, and, you know, I, I think he got a lot of a lot of uh, criticism last year because his first two games of the year were against Vita Vea and then Javon Hargrave of the Philadelphia Eagles. And those are two really, really tough assignments to go up against. And I, I think most centers throughout the NFL would have a tough time with that like he did in those games. But, um, you know, he, he played well to, the, to end last year. And then this year, I thought he just took it up another level. Uh, he actually gave up uh, the, the fewest pressures of any of the Cowboys offensive linemen that played like a significant amount of snaps. I know they had quite a bit of rotation there. But as far as the guys that were obviously a core part of that line, he was actually gave up fewer pressures than even Zach Martin, which is an impressive feat. He was a great run blocker all season long. I think part of the problem in that Washington game when he didn't play, you know, the Cowboys suddenly couldn't run the ball at all. Part of that is obviously Terrence Steele not being in there, but also not having Tyler Biotish there. Uh, and I think that, you know, the center position is no longer something that people have to talk about, have to worry about, like, what are they going to do now that Travis Frederick's retired? And uh, I, I just think Biotish really uh, stepped it up and he got a Pro Bowl out of it. So congrats to him. Yeah, uh, eighth Cowboy um, that got a Pro Bowl nomination this season. That's pretty impressive. Again, we're talking about the future of the Cowboys, but the current vets that they have, um, you know, again, this is a stacked roster that like, when we're talking about expectations and maybe disappointments, maybe, you know, again, the season could have been we're playing the what if game uh, as the Eagles move on to the Super Bowl, which is totally upsetting. Uh, Tony, for you, who do you have as your comeback player of the year? Yeah, this is um Howman's guy, in my opinion. I saw a couple of comments on it, and I and I do think it's Leighton Vander Esch. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, heading into the offseason, I think, you know, he obviously didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. So his future in Dallas was very much in question heading into last offseason. Um, I think a, a lot of people were saying that linebacker, they needed to find something to, at the position, right? I think they brought in Anthony Barr. They are hoping that Jabril Cox could take a step and just, you know, the way they were going to use Michael Parsons, right? But ultimately, the market for Leighton Van Esch wasn't that robust. I don't think the expectations coming into the season was all that big. I mean, we even had Howman, my guy, who's, you know, has, you know, analytical and is, is really well thought out takes, had him as somebody who didn't make the roster. So for him to come in and just be such a pivotal point in this defense where you really felt him when he was out. When he wasn't in that game and, you know, obviously the combination of him and Hankins being out really helped hurt the, the run defense there. But coming in, you saw him making plays in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers wild card game. And I just think that um, Leighton Vander Esch is one of those guys that um, um, he was um, he was just one of those guys that like you just didn't know what to expect. Right. You were hoping like he's going to bring a veteran presence. You, you'd hope that he'd come out there and be steady and be able to stay on the field. But I think he was everything of, of every bit of that and more, to be honest. It's a great point. And, you know, while you had the opportunity to beat down uh, Howman, maybe take some points away, you decided to uplift him and say that he has great analytical takes. So, uh, again, I think he appreciates that. I appreciate that. I, I wrote down some points for you as well. So good job on your end. Uh, Danny, before we move on to the next category, what's your comeback player of the year? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm i not going to take a shot at Howman and, and again reiterate that he left Leighton Vander Esch off the roster prediction. Uh, but I will, you know, take a shot at myself and how I – undervalued what kind of player that Donovan Wilson is. And to me, uh, I, I saw a lot of really great improvements with, with Dono this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. To me, I felt like Don Dono's splashy player, but I think there, he, there, he's hit and miss a lot of times, at least his first few years. There's a lot of plays that, you know, he was, he was part of that historically bad defense where it looked like he was on roller skates too. When he was, he, he, you know, he doesn't change direction. Well, but I want to say this, I think he's, 
you know, this this could go to to Dan Quinn because the way that he's utilized him, I mean, he's made him a, a, a downhill player. And and Dono has just been so splashy this year. It's just, I mean, he he's make does a really good job making his decisions. You know, he brings a lot of pop when he hits. Just a lot smarter overall, I think. And and so to me, I, I just definitely want to uh, give Donovan Wilson props because he was a guy I didn't have rated very high coming into the season. But I think he's, you know, he was he was kind of had a little bit of Pro Bowl buzz at one point. Uh, this year. So definitely he gets my uh, biggest, uh, you know, improvement player. Tony, what do you got? So, I mean, we, we rib uh, <laughs> Howman for the LVE take. If we run back the first and 10 podcast, I'll tell you right now, we did our, who's our surprising cuts and mine was Donovan Wilson. So I was absolutely wrong. hundred percent. I own that. And so if we're going to, we're going to send shots, I gotta be able to take them too. So I was dead wrong about that in the preseason. Wow. That's worse than mine, Tony. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Bury me. <laughs> you know what? It's a cleansing podcast. As we're, you know, like I said to Jess, sometimes you have to use these opportunities as therapy. You know, to sort of like the airing of grievances uh, to to Seinfeld and Festivus and all that stuff. Uh, Brandon, before we move on, um, I think you know Donovan Wilson is a free agent. It's somebody that maybe the Cowboys can bring back. He definitely upped his market uh, as far as a safety and somebody you know that will possibly get some money in free agents free agency. Do you think Dan Quinn? being back in Dallas really kind of shifts the scale in their favor to bring somebody like Wilson back? Or do you think he's just gone no matter what? No, I think it definitely tips the scale. I think as, as, uh, as Danny said, I think Dan Quinn implementing him the best, using him the best way possible is made, is made Donovan Wilson is the best player that he's ever been in the NFL. So I think, I think a combination of those two things, I, I think it's, I think it's a match made in heaven. And I think, I do think Donovan Wilson will remain a cowboy. And I, I hope he remains a cowboy because you know, when he's used effectively and he's essentially like he, he just he, he likes to be in that box. He likes to go downhill, like Danny said, and just lay the wood. That's the kind of guy I like on the team. He's a tone setter. He's the kind of defender that I like. I, real quick, I, the one the comeback player that I, you know, that I have really quick is De, uh, Damone Clark. He wasn't even supposed to play hey. this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't even he was, he was supposed to take a red shirt year. Another fifth round pick to the Cowboys. I feel like they're going to hit on him. I, I think Clark's got a lot of tools. And he played in 10 games after everybody thought it was going to be a redshirt year. So I, I think the sky's the limit for, for Damone Clark. I think uh, that, that, that to me was the easy comeback player of the year for me. That's who I had written down. So again, you know, the namesake, we're on the same wave path here. Uh, and again, talking about defenders and everything, I think now the conversation is defensive player of the year. And again, there are certain nuances to it. We're going to get to the big award at the very end. Um, but Tony, we already talked about Donovan Wilson, a couple defenders. Do you have somebody different for your defensive player of the year? He sent me a layup here. I mean, this is a slam dunk. I mean, <laughs> I got to take it. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Uh, Michael Parsons, easy pick for me. This kid is a freak. He's a stud. Um, anybody who went first, it was, it was just easy. So uh, Michael Parsons, he's a he's a generational talent. I know they use that word pretty loosely nowadays, but uh, for him, I feel comfortable saying it. Um, when you get Lawrence Taylor comparisons, whether it's accurate or not, I, you got to talk about him um, in that in that tone. Uh the, the way they scheme up and the way they attack and like, you know, you, some of the things that just on a personal level that I saw from Micah Parsons that really like wowed me was like some people would like to go on the right side and play against the right tackle that they know they could probably beat. This guy's looking to go against Andrews Thomas. He's looking to go against Trent Williams. He wants to go best on best and he wants to do iron sharp iron. So the guy with that mentality, that kind of just dog in him and, you know, for him, it's 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 a no brainer. The Cowboys are not the same unit whenever Mike Parsons is not out there. And um, every time he got banged up, nicked up, you always kind of held your breath because you knew things were going to change in a blink of an eye if he wasn't out there. 
Danny, for you, is this a chalk award? Do we have to, you know, talk about Micah Parsons again, or do you have somebody different uh, you want to save him possibly for later? Well, I can't believe you guys are sleeping on, you know, Kelvin Joseph. I mean, if you look at what he's done, it, no, this, well, I don't know, why are we even answer? There's no other answer. We're done with this. I mean, I'll just reiterate that, you know, he just changes the way that, that um, teams have to game plan. And I, to me, I think he's kind of a little bit like tank on Flocka. I think he, that he, he brings that same, you know, tenacity or he, he, he gives you that same kind of, you forget about his value, but he brings that extra tenacity that, um, you know, with the, on every play, and uh, it's unfortunate because you can, you know, he was really killing it early, and I, th- I he do think he started to wear down toward the end, and uh, you know, it's it was tough, but I mean, honestly, Micah is just fantastic. Uh, Howman, is this something that you know you're going to see in the future that when we do this over and over again, when um, you know, RJ is doing this, stealing my idea for this for this show topic, um, do you think that Micah Parsons is just going to be hands down defensive player of the year moving forward? I sure hope so. I, I really hope that he's able to keep up this level of dominance. And, you know, I, I remember after last season, how special his rookie year was. I was one of the people kind of cautioning, like maybe he'll, you know, kind of regress towards the the average a little bit. And no, he, he completely blew all those expectations out of the water. I think he's the defensive player of the year for the Cowboys. I think he's the defensive player of the year for the entire league. And frankly, I'm, I'm, I lose my mind every time people say that, you know, Nick Bosa is the shoe in for the award because, you know, Parsons played on, you know, much less snaps than Bosa did. He tied him for pressures. He had a higher sack rate. Uh, he had a higher pass rush win rate. You know, if you if you average it out to be to where they were uh, equal on on their actual amount of playtime, Parsons was better. He was more disruptive. He was better in every way. He's more versatile. And I mean, simply put, you know, Bosa is a really good pass rusher, but Micah does things he couldn't even dream of. So. You know, it's 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 pretty easy in my eyes. Man, you're just throwing out all those uh, shots uh, tonight. I love it, love it. Brandon, do you share the same sentiment as Salmon? You're saying yeah. that he's Defensive Player of the Year. Bosa, who? Yeah, chalk baby. But I'll add one of that one last piece to it because the boys already named everything I, I could even come up with about Micah Parsons. I mean, the unicorn is just the unicorn. And eighty, here's a fact: eighty percent of the games he plays in, he records a sack. That's that's in the that's in the top six in NFL history. I know he's only been in the league uh, for two years, but eighty percent of games he plays and he's getting at least one sack. That just tells you he's a once in a once in a generation kind of player. And and the unicorn is going to be the guy, barring anything crazy, he's going to be our defensive our defensive player of the year for the Cowboys for for many years to come. And I wouldn't be surprised if he he wins himself an MVP down the line. He's just he's just that darn good. He's just he's a once again he's a once a generation type talent. And I'm just glad uh, I'm just glad we made that trade back, uh, you know, slid back two spots with the again, with the Eagles to get them and still get a third round pick out of it. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. When you started talking about unicorns and what this stat was going to be, I thought you were going to say 80 percent of unicorns and you're going to give some <laughs> mythical stat. Um, but still, I mean, I guess, you know, again, he's a generational player, so I guess it goes hand in hand. Um, this one is a little up for debate, and I kind of like maybe we have a little bit of different answers. Danny, I'll start with you. For offensive player of the year, there are a few directions you can go. Who are you going with? Yeah, it's. I mean, it depends on when you would have asked me this. At different points of the season, I would have a different answer. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with someone who probably wouldn't have been considered early on, and that is uh, C.D. Lamb. I think that if you look at what he did, especially down the stretch, I think he answered all the questions about can he be that number one receiver. And I think that you know he had over 13. 
100 yards. And, you know, there, I, I remember the time of season where is he ever going to have a 100-yard game? I don't know when it was before he finally did, but he just really turned it on. I think that he's got a, a sneaky, you know, separation about him. He's not, like, really fundamentally sound, but he just – he's able to just kind of maneuver in space and then just, you know, create space. And I, I, um, I just think, and of course he, he tracks the ball extremely well. I think that you know, he also too, he's, he's a lot tougher than you would think he would be. Cause I mean, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times that where he's taking a shot and I'm like, he's not a very bulky guy. I'm thinking, well, that's, you know, he's not going to get up from that or, you know, he's going to, you know, take him a little bit, but, but no, nope, he's back out there. And I think that, I think lamb is a special player. And, um, to me, I think if you, when I put everything on the table, it's close with some other guys or guy, but uh, Lamb is is gets my vote. Uh, since you're voting for Lamb in the situation, can you do the first down move that he does with his with his hand? Uh, if you know, do I have to? No, it's, not, <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to see him do. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Tony, offensive player of the year, still the same guy, or are you uh, going a little different? So I had a couple of contingencies. The guy I'm going to pick is who I think is the answer. But if if somebody else said it before me and this is how it went, I had somebody else in the back burner, and that would have been Zach Martin picking Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard is the guy that um, finally given the chance uh, to make some, you know, make some real things happen in this offense, and um, he proved himself. Uh, this offense is clearly less dynamic without him out there. We saw that in the playoff game, and things really changed for us in a negative way. Um, you know, it's it's tough that the Cowboys waited till now to kind of really explore that. Uh, I'm an Ezekiel Elliott guy, but when the, when the numbers and the uh, the the disparity in in touches were is just inexcusable at this point. So. Um, he was out there making plays. He was explosive. Every time he touched the football, he felt really good about his chances. He's a physical guy. He's he's not one of those people that like when you see him at first, like you're like, okay, he's a he's a, a speed guy. He's gonna get on the edge. But no, he he's tough. He's a tough runner. He always falls forward. Um, and it, this team is totally different without Tony Pollard. And hopefully, um, you know how you feel about the numbers. If they can make it work with a franchise tag or a contract, whatever the case may be, this team is better with Tony Pollard on it rather than not having him. Yeah, it's it's funny how uh, we should have known that he was entering a contract season that he would have his best season. Uh, you know, that should have been something that we just assumed going into this year. Howman, is it going to be an offensive lineman? Are you going to give it to the big boys or are you going to go uh, skill position? I'm going Dak Prescott for offensive player of the year. And I really don't care what the haters are going to say. Um, Dak Prescott is the most important offensive player on this team. He's the most important player on the whole team because he plays the most important position. He plays it at a very high level. He, you know, he finished this year. He was eighth in EPA per play. He was 11th in QBR, which puts him firmly in that top 10 conversation. And that was considered a bad year for Dak Prescott. That's that's what we're talking about with this quarterback is being right on in that top 10 category is considered a down season for him. But I mean, think about what we went through with this offseason a year ago. They get rid of Amari Cooper. They replace him with James Washington, who hardly plays. They draft Jalen Tolbert, who doesn't play. Um, and, you know, they they just completely change this offense. And, you know, half the time, you know, he's going on third and long and trying to convert. And that just doesn't happen at a very high rate. And so they're putting him in tough situations. They're taking away help from him. And then they're surprised when he doesn't play, you know, absolutely out of his mind. And I just – I think to two other teams, they got rid of – a really talented wide receiver in the offseason. I think of the Titans and they got rid of AJ Brown. They missed the playoffs and they had a losing record and they fired their general manager during the year. And then the Packers, they got rid of Devontae Adams and they also and, and, the and the Chiefs. And the Chiefs. Yes, and the Chiefs, and they have the best quarterback in the entire NFL. 
So they do they do get that advantage of having Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers has been a really good and he just had a terrible season. And now the Packers are talking about potentially trading him, you know, a year after they got rid of his top wide receiver. So Dak went ahead and had a successful season. They made the playoffs, they won a playoff game, and then they ran into a really good defense in San Francisco. To me, he's still one of those quarterbacks that elevates your team. And, you know, one game is not going to sway my opinion of that. Uh, you had it set up perfectly to say players are going to hate, 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 hate uh, do your little Taylor Swift thing, but you, you missed out on the opportunity. That's okay. Points just left on the board. Uh, Brandon, before we move on, I know Danny had a question. Um, who do you have as your offensive player of the year? Man, Lori, I got, I drew the short straw on this one. I mean, all the great options were already picked. I, I would have gone with uh, CeeDee Lamb or Tony Pollard, but you know, I, I'm going to stick with CeeDee Lamb. I, I, I've talked about it earlier. He's he came into the year as, as, you know, and he wasn't, you know, he was just, some people would doubted him as a true number one receiver. They were concerned about, oh, how the, how's this whole, this whole thing going to play out with, uh, with Amari Cooper not being in town. To me, it's, it's not even close to me. If, if you're going to pick a second option, Tony Powers a good one. But if you want to go off this raw numbers and just raw stats and just everything that CD Land has done for this team, it's not even close to me. And, you know, and, and that's why. That's why I think part of the reason why they got to twelve and five. I think Ceedee Lamb just—he's he was a monster. He just—he to me, he's, he just needs a—he needs a, a Robin to his him being the Batman on that receiving core. And I think this thing can go to the next level. Uh, before we move on to totaling the points for tonight, Danny, you had a, a question you wanted to bring up. I just want to say quickly, you know, I, I, I like everyone's answers except for Hellman's, but uh, you know, we meant the fact that Tony Pollard comes up as a as an offensive MVP. Um, it, it just kind of, you know, you look at the situation that we're faced with, and you talk about people have their own theories about what they should do with running backs, shouldn't pay them, whatever, blah blah. But could you even imagine a scenario where the, where the Cowboys just decide to just walk, let one of their most explosive offensive players just walk away? And to me. You know that just I, I can't imagine that I I don't want to imagine that and uh, so I just, I don't know it's just kind of weird you know we think about we're all gonna have our opinions about what the Cowboys should do and whatnot but keep in mind Tony Pollard was not only what Pro Bowl Tony Pollard was one of the better offensive players in the league and I just I can I just hope the Cowboys don't let that go that's all I think it's a great point and I know we'll have future episodes talking about free agency breaking down where the Cowboys players might go or stay. And, and he's certainly one of them that the Cowboys want to retain. And there was also uh, the tweet posted about um, the cap numbers for the tags and, and what you're looking at. I think it was around 10 million for a running back. So not too bad for somebody like a uh, Tony Pollard and you keep him in the building recovery. You know, you get to see who he is moving forward. You know, maybe it's a shortened deal if you want to do a two, three year, but uh, that's a great point. And, you know, you were down, it was going to be a three-way tie, but you know, for some reason, with all these points that I had and with what everybody said, it's a four-way tie. So I'm going to throw this last question. I need somebody just really just pull everything they have, put everything into this. I want to know the MVP of the 2022 Cowboys, and it could be somebody that we have already mentioned. You could look at it in a certain way where you're saying value. Who's the most valuable player instead of the best on the team? So I will start with Tony. going to give it to you. Who do you have as the MVP for the Cowboys? I, you know, I mentioned why, and I'll say it again. Uh, this team is a 
totally different football team without Micah Parsons. So for me, it's a clear cut. You know, it's got a Micah. It's got to be Micah. He's the identity of this team, um, and he's gonna be for a long time. They're gonna throw the bag at him, and he's gonna get whatever he commands. He deserves it all. Um, and just 2022, 2021, 2023, 2024 are probably gonna say the same thing. We'll cut it back, but for me, it's easy, Micah Parsons. Howman, what about you? Do you have something differing, or uh, are you gonna go with the chalk pick? Brian Anger, obviously. Um, no, I mean, obviously it's Micah Parsons. He is the most valuable player uh, uh, across the whole league. I mean, he he does things that no other defender can do, and he just affects the game in such a such a way that you can't even possibly quantify. Although when you do quantify it, as I mentioned when I talked about him being the defensive player of the year, he still comes out ahead of the whole pack. He he doesn't he doesn't rush the passer every single play. He drops back into coverage. Sometimes he lines up out wide on a receiver or a tight end or a running back. And when he does rush the passer, he looks like he's, you know, one of these guys like Bosa or Garrett, and he's much smaller. He's got shorter arms, and it doesn't matter. He just dominates in everything that he does, and he does it consistently. And he even, you know, forces offensive linemen to jump false start before before the ball's even been snapped. And I mean, it, it's just crazy to think because back on draft night, there were so many of us, myself included, who did not like the pick and he's proved everybody wrong time and time again. And I guess you could say that the Cowboys were enchanted to meet him. Got it in there. Love it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> just so good. Uh, Brandon, for you, I won't I won't throw it to you uh, last this time. MVP Parsons or anybody else. Thank you, Laurie. I appreciate that. I mean, again, uh, it, it, the, uh, the answer is pretty easy. It's, it's Micah Parsons. But just, just for the sake of being different, I got to go with CeeDee Lamb. He's, he's uh, top, top six in the league in, in receptions. You know, I think, he's, and I think he's top five in the league, top six in the league in, in receiving yards. He's up there in touchdowns. I mean, he's the most dynamic player on offense. And he's the, he is the one player on the Cowboys offense, you know, aside from Tony Pollard. But unfortunately for Tony Pollard, he still has the Zeke problem, which that limits – the amount of times that you know he he gets the ball, he gets the opportunities. I, I, CD Lamb is to me every time every time that ball's in his hands, it's electric, and it's 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 one of those things where there's no there's no other player on offense that I would rather see you know see get the ball in his hands than CD Lamb, and I just I that's my guy. Danny, I wanted you to go last, not because I wanted to hear everybody else and then just put you off to the side. I I always say last, saving the best for last. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say about the MVP, and then we'll total everything. I'm calculating on the side here. So give me something. Give me a passionate take about the MVP for the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm glad you saved me for last because, you know what, I'm not I'm not playing for the tie. You know, I'm, I'm going to pull a McCarthy. I'm going to call my own play on this one. And I'm going to say that the MVP belongs to Will McClay. And uh, just because of all the things that we've said, and I, I know this is what you're asking about player, and on, we know there's only one answer to this, but I just want to talk about what a great job that he's done. All these players that everyone has mentioned, and great answers, by the way. And I mean, it, it just speaks to what this front office has does. And if there's anything that McCarthy, that I praise him for, it's it's stepping out of the way and letting, McCar- letting McClay and company do their job. We've had some really good drafts you know, since McCarthy's joined the staff. And to me, I just want to give Will credit because honestly, I don't know where we'd be without him. I mean, we'd be in worse shape It would because it would, these – these roster struggles would be there, but no, the Cowboys don't have that. They, 
They have every year we have younger players that are developing and, and, and taking new steps. And that's what gives us hope next season. So, you know, I just have, definitely, we got to give a shout out to the guy who's, uh, you know, has a big part in the Cowboys success. So McClague is my most valuable person. Way to go. Just around the question, just do something completely different. I, Totally appreciate appreciate that take because somebody who likes to go and do in, something in a different direction that that really hits home to me. Um, I have to say though, the winner of my first time hosting the roundtable is everyone, and I say that because truly everybody is the winner here. You guys have been nothing but fantastic, uh, guiding me through this process. Again, there is no jading here yet. I haven't done this long enough to really develop uh, opinions and biases uh, of everybody that's here. So I'm giving everybody the trophy tonight. But Danny, since your question was the one that sort of brought you into this group with everybody else, I'll throw it to you in honor of RJ. Have somebody besides myself, of course, uh, do a random noise before we close this out. You know, I wanted to say, um, Brandon, you know, first off, RJ's fantastic at doing this. And I, I really think that you came in and, and you did a great job. And I, I also want to say, too, I mean, everybody did. A, I love the answers that everybody had. Um, uh, but you know what? I'm really not going to put anybody on the spot. So I, I don't have any I don't have a noise for you. I don't know who wants to do it. So, you know, in, in honor of just a great show by everybody. Um, yeah, no, not going to do it. Well, uh, that's not the answer I was looking for. Uh, but, you know, Tony, since you do have the brick wall behind you, give me a little bit of the, the brick house by the Commodores. I don't know it, so you're going to have to give it a howman. <laughs> Anybody, Brandon, you, you have my back on this one? I'm not good with this, so I'm going right, to I'll do it. it. I'll do it to close it out because it's just it's only fair. She got brick, too. Big. The, the house. house she's mighty mighty just letting it all hang out she's a brick <laughs> good night everybody